Hey, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that the Women's Social Club chapters are open now in Atlanta, Boston, Charlotte, Chicago, D.C., Denver, Jacksonville, Florida, Memphis, Miami, New York City, Pasadena, California, Wilmington, North Carolina, with multiple chapters in Raleigh, North Carolina, and the surrounding areas. If you're in those cities, come join us at thewomensocialclub.co. And if you don't hear your location, visit our website and click start your own chapter. We'll see you soon and let's get to the show. We know when we're about to enter a new chapter. We know when we're disquieted at work. We know when we're unhappy with a thing. We know that we're not supposed to be in this role or there's something greater, bigger for us, right? We know when we're supposed to scale our business. We know, we know, we know. It's just a matter if we're honest with ourselves. To all my hustlers, dreamers, love dealers, I'm that kind of girl. Work hard, play hard, for my own heart, might just rule the world. Welcome to the Women's Social Club, a women supporting women group where we make it easier to connect with new friends and our communities while supporting our local women-owned businesses. I'm Hannah Weisberg, founder and CEO of WSC, and today we're live from RBF Champagne Bar. You might remember RBF from episode five of this podcast, where owner Tiffany Welton talked about the opening. Well, it's here now, and it's such a unique, fun spot and the perfect place to host our guest today, Jess Averhart. Jess is a speaker, coach, author, podcaster, and all-around badass who always has her audience on the edge of their seats with her stories on burnout, motivation, and even dating. Jess is actually a fourth-generation entrepreneur, so it's in her blood. She grew up in a small town of less than 300, and after college, she was recruited to work at General Electric in Finance, a pretty great job with a nice salary and something she was excited to call her parents about. I think it was 37,500 and stock options. Now that's 20 years ago, it's a lot of money. And I was so excited. I was like, I got this offer and they're going to move me. They're going to pack all my stuff and take me to Cincinnati. And all I heard on the other line was crickets. There was no elation, no celebration. And it wasn't because they were disappointed. They just didn't understand it. They didn't understand what a salary meant and could I live off of that. And because they had never. That's like the opposite. Is the opposite experience yes. of most people, right? Like most people would be like, girl, yes, come on, you know, let's yes. have a party. My family was like, can you, are you going to be okay? Can wow. you make it on that? Yeah. So that gave me a kind of a foundation around what it meant to work for someone and what that means. And then what the perspective, the view, the vantage point of entrepreneurs is, is like you go and you hustle and you, you can make as much or as little as you want. Um, so it took me a, a long time, but it was always there. In the back of my mind, I got my real estate license. Ladies, I got Arbonne. I did, like, pick a thing, Pampered Chef. Um, <laughs> like, every makeup thing, Mary Kay, um, Amway. Like, we did it all, right? Because it was this sort of pursuit of what was possible and, and applying your own gifts and skills to a thing and getting sold on those possibilities. But I never bought into it. I couldn't, ne- it wasn't my thing. Yes. Like Arbonne's a great product, but I didn't create it. And I, you know, it just wasn't my you thing. You don't have the same passion have for the same it. same passion. Yeah. 
So I know long story short here or long story long, the entrepreneurship world was like spinning around me. And it wasn't until I was in my early 40s where I got, I figured it out. I like hooked into a thing and I was like, if I don't do this thing, if I don't do this, take advantage of this moment and what I'm feeling around this idea, then I will have betrayed myself. And that's, I think, what entrepreneurs feel. And mm-hmm. I hadn't felt it. I, I was around it my whole life, but I hadn't felt it until I was 40. And that was when I really, it took off for me. And I'm so grateful. Were there any people in the different jobs and areas that you were working in who were sort of mentors or people who had like really big impacts on you during the different phases that you were in? Sure. Yeah, for sure. When I was a kid, my grandfather, he is to date. um, He's since passed. He passed away when I was 18 years old. So right before I graduated from high school. But he serves today as my greatest influence. You know, he was kind, compassionate. People respected him. He had a like a calming effect and voice in a room, right? So you just leaned in on it because you felt like he meant it and he was, he was, he was listening. And I watched him change rooms. And so I saw that trans, how one person can transform people's energy. Energy. Yeah. So that, that had an effect on me that I appreciate and use today. I also, when I moved here, Marty Clayton, who works for Duke Energy, was someone who I said, I saw him, he was kind of moving and shaking. And I said, would you, would you be interested in being my, and now we would call it a sponsor. But at the time I was like, would you be interested in mentoring me? And he was like, sure. And then like, he like brought me into these rooms and took me to like meet with CEOs and stuff. Wow. Only because I asked, I was very meek kind of, and I had, I didn't have any friends here. I didn't know anyone. Um, but I just was in rooms with him and thought, oh, this guy. And he was willing to do it. And so he did a lot of entry points for me. But there are many, many women, more women than men. But there are, I always like to point out the men because sometimes we get caught up, right? In like our, the women that champion us. But I have had incredible men in my world that have seen potential in me and have been willing to like be a sponsor in spaces that I can't get into myself and have helped my professional career double down, like force multiply. My mom is a great influence for a lot of reasons, personal reasons, like not that I wouldn't share them, but I mean, personally, not business wise, where she made some tough choices when she was young and I respect the hell out of her. And I think, you know, if she can do a thing, I can do a thing. You know, and I always look back to her for some strength. And I'm glad I was able to say that because she'll listen to this. She's a big fan. And love you, Mom. Yes, there is an element of like nature versus nurture. You know, I feel like when you have whatever spirit is in you, whether it is like thriving in corporate or whether it's a caregiver or whether it's an entrepreneur, when you have that passion inside of you and it clicks that's always there. But then seeing other people overcome obstacles in lots of different ways, you make that relation to whatever that fire is inside of you. And it really does help you dig deep to find the courage to take the next step. So I think it's really cool and special that one of those people is your mom. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's, braver and more courageous than I probably will ever be in a, a time that was hard. My, I'm biracial, by the way. My mom is white. So that's just one fraction of some of the choices that she had to make in the 70s in a different country. She had me in Germany. And it was like there's just a series of like 
fortunate for me, unfortunate events potentially for her that she faced. I just think she's amazing. And I don't know, you know, how I would have made and navigated those choices myself. I only hope I would have done what she was able to do. And so, yeah, I draw on her strength. She's incredible. So having that sort of as a background, a jumping off point, what values were, you know, really important to you when it came to, okay, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to start my businesses. Like how did that influence that? Yeah. So I do have like a set of values that I, and you know, your values change over time. So if you have children, when you don't have kids, you have a set of values. When you have some kids, your values change, right? And then you maybe start a business and all of a sudden you're like, you know, what I thought was important yesterday, all of a sudden isn't. So pride in work for me is a value. So I, I attach be careful, by the way, of what I'm about to say. Don't, don't take this to the extreme. You know, you're, I do attach my identity to my work. So whatever, I'm doing is a is an extension of who I am and we should we should see that that's pride and work. We also don't want to take it to the point where we can't separate who we mm-hmm. are from our work because we're we're so many people are suffering from burnout right now. But there is a threshold, I think. And so for me pride and work is really important. Justice informed issues are really important to me. I have a son and you know, we've a myriad of lived experience has has put me in a position where justice and justice informed work equity is extremely important. Um, Seeking new experiences, having adventures, you know, not just sticking with the same old thing. Like I am not one. You look at my resume, it looks like I'm a job hopper. Um, I'm not a job hopper. I'm just infinitely curious. And it's really changed my trajectory to that curiosity. Y'all have worked on an Amish farm. Those, oh you my know, gosh. Know this. Yeah. I mean, I've like, what do you, what you got? What's on deck? Okay. <laughs> let's do it. You know? Um, so I've done a lot of really cool things and that's only because I said yes, kept my options open and was like, okay, let's do it. So going through those different phases of your career, like you're saying, I feel like I've changed massively I don't know, every three years-ish, less than that, especially when I was younger, like you, infinitely curious. I feel like when people look at my resume too, like it's kind of all in advertising and marketing, but it's like all around, all across the board. And honestly, I think when I figured out the entrepreneur bug bit me was because I would work for people, particularly men, and I could see the answer to the problem. (laughs) And then they would just be like, but I don't want to solve the problem. I'm like real happy. Like I can live like this forever and be fine. And I'm just like, what does that, why? Like, why don't you want to like make it as good as it can be? And so it would drive me crazy. So then I was like, well, what am I doing? I'm like spinning my wheels to get it to this level. But then They don't want to go any further. And so that was when I started really seeking out like other women in the industry of just I was looking for community specifically and other women who were, you know, strong and just inspiring. And that is something that sort of just started building. So like going through phases in a career, I think all of us can relate to in a lot of different ways. Has there ever been... Or has your career growth ever affected your personal life or vice versa? 
So I have my sweet friend Flo here. I know we're on this live podcast, but Flo can give you, she can give you the tea on my own. <laughs> she knows all the things. Uh, yeah, she's like, I don't know. It's, it's lock, under lock and key. Um, all right. So we're in a small room. So let's talk about it. Yes, girl. Um, I wrote a dating book, which I'm going to give one away tonight uh, because my my personal life. So first of all, you can't extract the two. We all know this, right? One is going to impact the other, vice versa. And single, was raised by a single mom. So we're going to talk about all the sort of impacts. My mom was a single mom. I was raised, like I said, small town. I was struggling trying to figure out my identity in a mostly white community, trying to figure out who I am as a black girl. And then I go to college and I like pour myself into the black culture and, you know, just trying to find my way. It was, I'm constantly felt like in my first 25 to 30 years of my life, I was just trying to figure it out. Who am I really? Not who is the world telling me I should be. We've heard this quote, but it's true. The world tells you you're supposed to be a certain way. Then you're like, but I don't feel like I'm resonating with this, but, but it sure, certainly is successful. Let me just keep doing this thing. But, but at the same time, trying to figure out who I am. So I got married at a really young age. I got married at 22, had my son when I was 26. So he, I have a 21 year old and, uh, was unfaithful to my husband right around 27, 28, got divorced in my early thirties left a church that anchored me. I'm going to give you lots. Go to the pod, my podcast. You're going to have a whole story. Right? It's like, we need more drinks for this. I know. <laughs> um, but it it changes you. I mean, it it's the personal, it's the figuring out who you are stuff in your career. Like, do I want to be in finance for GE? No. I left that really quick. Do I want to serve and be in the nonprofit world? I think so. Like, I want to have impact. I want to influence community. So what does that mean? Well, great. Now I need to change my whole career, but, but I'm also a wife and now I have a new baby. And like, so what does that mean? Do I give, what do I get? What trade-offs do I make? What are the table stakes that for my, for wealth? Like, what do I need to do to make money? Who, what, who's going to be sacrificed in this? Who's the sacrificial lamb in this moment? Right. And I, we all are thinking about those things because there's a give and take. There's a give and take, especially in entrepreneurship, but it doesn't matter. In the years I'm talking about, I was working for folks. And in my 30s, it's like the 40 days and 40 nights of Jesus. Uh, this isn't this is a religious moment, but we all know Jesus was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, right? That's how I felt in my 30s. I really felt like I was alone, made some bad mistakes, felt some kind of shame was like pouring over my life in that decade. And I dated like J-Lo, trying to figure out, trying to have a man save me. Personally, oh, you yeah. asked the question. Yeah. Right? And so meanwhile, I'm trying to also start a company, but I don't know. And so I put that on the shelf and truly was saved in many ways by the calling of being a really great mom and being the best I could possibly be for my son and trying to model what I wanted him to be. Like I wanted to, I can imagine what do I want him to say about me? What experience do I want him to have when he's a young, young? So when he's in therapy, he's like, no, my mom's pretty dope. Actually, she, you know, <laughs> that would be the reason for his therapy bills. Right. <laughs> so that was the pull for me. I was like, okay, I'm not going to be on the other side of that bill. So I prioritized the, image of what that meant for him. And it helped to guide and steer me in my 30s away from like probably great disaster, crash and burn. But I learned a lot. 
in that time. And I learned in my 30s, this is when it all came to a head, mm-hmm. who I finally was. And it took, it was a lot of great tension in that moment, but I finally cracked that nut and was like, I got it. Like, I know I'm here. It's not totally clear, but I'm in the pursuit of something and I'm just going to follow these opportunities as they hit. I'm going to be my best self, cliche, but I'm going to go in every room. I'm just going to be who I am and see what comes my way. And opportunities came my way and have led me to this chair today. So talk us through the setting of the boundaries, because I feel like that was a really big part of you crossing into this new phase of your life. You've talked about setting boundaries and then how that has affected your ability to scale, to grow, to become who you are. Yeah. So what you're talking about is a season that just we're about a year, we're about a year in. So it wasn't, wasn't, uh, you know, the last 10 years. This was, I just got a handle on my work. Mm-hmm. And the pace that I – so my word for this 2023 is pace. That doesn't mean slow. It doesn't mean fast. It just means have some pace. Like, you know, look at your – okay, I'm still running on a pace. Um, a year ago in March, I was taking – I had a great day with my team, and I was getting ready to take a walk on the American Tobacco Trail, which is in Durham. It's right outside where I live. I live in downtown Durham. And I was walking – and a girlfriend called. It's that girlfriend that always calls you when she needs a thing, had a bad day, needs advice, rarely asks about you, you know, or maybe it's the afterthought. It's like the entree into the conversation. It's obligatory, but it's not genuine. And I'd been friends with her over 20 years, so I already knew what this was going to be like. And so I answered the call. And uh, first of all, I answered the call. First of all, picked up the phone. And I started talking to her and it sure, it played out and I started crying on the phone. She didn't know it because she was telling me the things, right? You know how you can cry yeah. silently. I oh, hang up. God. Girl, I know. It's, this is a sad story, but it gets better. Okay. Um, so I'm crying on the phone and I get off the phone and I call my other friend and I say, I'm really in trouble. I I don't know, but I'm in trouble because this is the work I do. You know, Hannah, like I I love women. I love to champion women. I'm here for it. I relate to the challenges that we face uniquely. And I couldn't take a phone call from a friend. And I realized in that moment that I was in trouble around burnout. And it was compassion fatigue. So there's a word around that, right? People like to use this. And it's true for me. I had no compassion in that moment. I was like, I, I, need, I need to be filled up. Um, by the way, just, let me just jump to the end of the story. That friend and I are good. She actually, I wrote about this and she goes, was that me? I go, I go, yeah, girl, I was talking about you and we are fine. We are great and in better place than we've ever been. Um, so just because people often ask, what's going on with you and your friend? We're okay. Um, but it was good. It's transformational, right? So yeah. boundaries, getting back to your question. I did a lot of work on boundaries this time last year. Took the month of April off in triage, essentially, to get my life back together. And one of the the definition that I follow that is, is not mine, I'll give it to credit where credit is due, is by a woman named Prentice Humphill. And she's amazing. She's an activist. Um, and she thinks about human rights and all these things. And she thinks about the human experience, essentially. And Prentice says this, boundaries is the distance between my ability to love you and me simultaneously. Oh, that's good. It's profound, right? If you think about it. 
the distance between my ability to love you and me simultaneously. So if you think about that phone call and had I had that definition in my mind, I wouldn't have answered it. Because, you know, Prentice goes on to say that it's one of the greatest expressions of love is when you're able to set boundaries on behalf of yourself and the people that you care about because you're going to give them the love that they need in the ways that they need it when you can, if you can set the boundary and provide that sense of space and security in your relationship that that both can honor that moment. And so in that moment, I shouldn't have answered and called her when I could. And she would have been better off because she would have got the best version of me mm. when I was full and ready to give to her. And I didn't do that to her for her. And she wasn't able to offer me that moment either. So I robbed us of that moment because I didn't set a boundary. So thank you for asking about that question because that's one that's changed my life. That's what has actually led you into creating the Reinvention Road Trip. This this particular journey of the last year actually led us into creating Living Beyond Burnout. Mm. So I just took my experience of about six months, uh, <laughs> good, bad, and indifferent, yeah. all of it, and created um, a program. But throw that word around. It's really it's support around how you can not just talk about being burned out, but how what does it look like to live beyond it? And I can say genuinely today that that's how I live. And it's, I could not have said that honestly last year. I would have been a different version of myself. We might not have done this or I would have been tired or whatever. But I'm working now from a place of rest, not trying to run towards it. And that's, that's changed a lot for me too. And I feel like that's where the best ideas come from are out of places of our own need. So learning from other entrepreneurs a lot about, you know, the evolution of their businesses and ideas and how they came to be. Like even Tiffany here at RBF, you know, it came out of a need that she was looking for to to fill. And so it's really inspiring to hear how you can take something that feels, you know, it's your weakness or your burden and turn it into something that is actually your strength, but then also gives other people strength or an avenue to at least identify what it is they're feeling. Yes. Because I think a lot of times, like, I have a lot of plates going at one time, and I feel like everyone, everyone, especially coming out of the pandemic, literally went from sitting at home all of a sudden going from like a normal rate. Mm -hmm. I mean, a a pretty average. I wasn't burning the candle at both ends pre-pandemic. I had a pretty steady flow, like in balance and the pandemic hit, everything stopped. So then you go through that and then there was no ramping back up. It was just, okay, everything is turned back on times 10 Mm -hmm. and now we have to catch up. So it has been a lot of that, you know, teetering on like the burnout like line. But, you know, hearing other people talk about it, it loses its stigma. So then when you're like, okay, I feel like I'm getting into this unhealthy space. It's not scary to be like, okay, so I need to like take it back for a minute, like just right now. And then gradually like jump back in. Yes. Yes, you. I that I know that you were saying a thing, but I just want to like, yes, applaud you for that because the more we can talk about it, say it, you know, I'm feeling overwhelmed and feeling depleted. I'm feeling exhausted. You know, we can say that now and not feel like we're going to lose our jobs 
or well, <laughs> that's not a hundred percent true. Yeah, yeah. Because I talk to a lot of people who do feel that way. Mm-hmm. But we can be in groups like this and talk about it, and everybody be like, "Yeah, girl, it's rough out here. You know, it's hard out here." Yeah. And there's no there's no fear of feeling like you're not enough or that you can't handle your life. Whereas twenty, you know, two or three years ago, it's like they can't handle their life. What's wrong? You know, they they yeah. can't cut it. And I'm like, yo, that is not what's happening right now. Yes. We're all under a lot of pressure. Yes. And having each other to lean on is what gets us through it. Which is your community that you're building, that we're both building. I mean, this is really important right now, for sure. And it's really neat to see, like, how women have different love languages and use those love languages and different strengths. And then they kind of bring it all together and being the founder, you know, I get to step back almost and get a bird's eye view of watching everyone else. Um, and there are women who've been in the club for two and a half years and to see the journeys that they've been on together, that's what keeps me going whenever I'm like have the imposter syndrome thing that you're like, are people really going to pay for this? Like, what am I offering that no one couldn't just do themselves? Like, yeah. what is what makes me special? Like, why would someone pay for me to do this? Or, and things like that. And it happens. It doesn't even matter, like, how many chapters we have. Like, even this past weekend, I went through a huge, like, down weekend. And there's no explanation. It just, like, hits you out of nowhere. And I reached out to one of my friends, and I was just like, this is what I'm feeling. And she was like, don't make any rash decisions. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm someone who, like, when I feel that way, like, I'll just stop. And she's like, just don't decide anything. And just take something off your plate that you can move around, and you can still do it. Just shuffle it around. So I rearranged my schedule a little bit for the next couple weeks. And so— that has made a huge difference on my mental block, I feel like, doing that. Good friend. Yeah. Yes. You got to do the work. You got to do the work and call your friends. I hope everybody has a friend yes. that you can do that thing with. Yes. Like, I think I want to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. And they're like, come back. They're like, the would ledge. you really want to see somebody come, else doing this? Come on back. <laughs> it's going to be all right. Yeah. That's great. That's really good. So what's something in your business that you've accomplished that you didn't expect? Listen, this is going to sound a little corny, but it is true. Everything we've done, I'm super proud of because it was it didn't exist. And then we built a thing. You know, this book was not a thing. And then I, no kidding, didn't dream about it. But you know that little bit of time right before you wake up and you get out out of bed and you like feel like you have like massive clarity. You're into you just kind of want to lay in it a little bit because you're like, ooh. I'm thinking about a thing or you remember the name you forgot the day before and you're like, oh, it's Harold, right? You know, it's like your mind just opens up, right? (laughs) That's that, this book came into that like little space of like, oh, it's the Reinvention Roadmap. I know what to do with it. And we had that thing built, printed and on sale in like two months. Wow. And I'm just proud of our team and the ability to sort of think of thing and then create a thing and write a thing and do a thing and dream a thing and go after it. So I'm proud of our work from the littlest thing to the big stuff that you see weekly. I think it's great. I delight in what we do. I love it. Love, love, love it. Yes. Do you have any sort of hacks? Like, do you have a certain routine or a certain thing or 
resource that is a hack that you use that you could share with us? Yes. If anybody's interested in how I manage my time, I think that might be helpful. Because mm-hmm. I, So I use grid. For, so here's, I'm going to give you something very practical. Is that fine? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, I have a couple of hacks around burnout, and I will tell you those really quick, and then I'll tell you my time management. Yes? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So burnout, three filters. These are the filters I use. The first is, does, so these are the questions I ask myself. Does this need to be done? First of all, ladies and gent, 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 there's a couple guys in here. <laughs> um, does it need to be done? We don't ask ourselves that when somebody tells you to do a thing or says, hey, can you do this? Hey, can you make the brownies for the football game? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just assume that you have to have brownies at the football game. And maybe you don't have the ingredients. This is a true story because I used to be asked to do this. And I'd be like, sure, I'll do it. And then I'd run myself into the ground yeah. going to Harris Teeter, getting all the ex- you know, eggs. And I don't have the chocolate. And I don't this and that. Next thing you know, I'm making these brownies and throwing them on a eight-foot table with like 12 other pans of brownies. So apparently my brownies were not that amazing, right? The team wasn't going to lose if my brownies weren't there. But I decided that when I was asked, I had to do it. So does it need to be done? Does it need to be done now? Should we never ask? No. We just assume if you ask me, apparently it has to be done in the next 24 hours. And does it need to be done? Does anybody know? And does it need to be done? By me. By me. By me. Woo, that's powerful. So good. And this is a tricky one, friends, because oftentimes we say, yeah, it needs to be done by me. And that is an ego trip. And this is where when I talk about this publicly, I step on toes because it hurts. And I can only say it because I've done it so many times myself that I can say this with love. Oftentimes we say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the only one who can make those brownies the way I make them. I'm the only one, right, who can who can run this thing down, right? It's yes. only me and my magic because your, your magic isn't like my magic. And you ask, <laughs> you ask me, not them. So we do it because we feel like we we have to. And our ego feels really good. We get a jolt of like pride. It feels good to be asked, right? Meanwhile, you're throwing your life, your family, your job, your freedom, your self-care into question to like run this ego trip down. So ask yourself, does it actually need to be done by you? Or are you serving the ego, right? So that's the one thing. Um, 10, 10, 10 rule is a, a rule that I got from Jennifer Chase, who's the chief marketing officer at SAS. And she says, is this going to matter in 10 minutes? Will this matter in 10 hours? Is it really matter in 10 years? Like she just, she, she solves problems in her family with her kids with this question. Um, and she works with her marketing team at SAS and they talk about like, does it matter? Like, is this, is this worth arguing over? Is this worth piling on in this moment? And if you say no, then chuck it. Um, and then Marie Kondo is, uh, y'all know Marie Kondo is all like, joy, my t-shirt brings me mm-hmm. joy. Yeah. Keep your t-shirt. I love it. I remember <laughs> when I went to that concert and got that t-shirt. Great. Keep it. And so, but it, what about this business suit? What about the suit jacket? Oh, it's stuffed in the back of the closet. And you're like, no, it brings me no joy. And she's like, great. Toss it out. Okay. This is her concept. And I kept thinking, girl. I was like, we. She's spent. Uh, she's made a mil- multi-million dollar empire around. Does it bring you joy? Yes. And, and how to fold your underwear in and a perfect a square series. or whatever, right? Yes. And I thought all of this energy, and we don't ask ourselves about the things in our life. Do they bring us joy? Are they filling us up? That seventh board that you agreed to be on. Why are you doing that? Does that bring you joy? Does somebody tell you to do it? 
or you feel like you have to because somebody told you that all oh, the influencers are on that board and it's great for networking. Meanwhile, again, at the expense of your life. So does it bring you joy? 10, 10, 10. And then does it need to be done? Does it need to be done now? And does it need to be done by me? And then you asked me something else I was going to get to. Oh, my time management. Yes. Very quickly, I use grid paper and I black out three days at a time. So at the top, I go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and those are in different colors. And then I just, in my grid paper, I like dump on like a Sunday. I'll dump everything I can possibly think on that grid paper and I make little squares next to it. I'll have to show you. I've got one in my bag after this. And then I just write it all down. And I'm talking about everything. Dishes, got to do two loads of laundry, make sure you call your girlfriend who is sick. Everything that I want to make sure I get out of my brain and onto that paper gets on there. And then I, on Monday, if Monday's green, I just highlight my Monday days and then pink and then orange. And then I take it a step further by numbering them. And on a separate sheet of paper, I'll look at my calendar. So if I have five meetings that day and I know I have block here, 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 I'll put numbers one, five, and six in that little block because I know it's probably going to take me 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes to do that. Mm -hmm. So like you have to see this, to, but you can imagine what I'm doing, right? I'm time blocking, but in a way that works for me and doesn't feel like eat the frog and all this, these little different things people say. I'm just trying to get everything I need to do on my pink days done and I'm going to do it in the available time and I map it out, cross it off. And then rock Tuesday and rock Wednesday. And on Wednesday, I do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because I keep my weekends kind of fluid. And I just live life like this, and I do 90-day sprints. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's awesome. I use a sauna for work. Yes. Um, and we use it as a team, which helps. But it's a similar concept in that I'll go through and just brain dump, like, all of the things and then I'll look at my calendar and be like, no, that's not going to happen that day. And then yep. you can just move it around. And it is this process of getting it out of your brain, brain, seeing it, and then you're moving it and you assign it to a day. So then you don't have to think about it again until that day. And it's like magical because it is magic. then you're like, that's a Thursday thing. Like I had a huge thing like implode with work yesterday but I don't have to touch it again till Friday because it's like, fine, it's going to be fine. But I need to have all these other moving pieces put back together before I touch it. Yep. Otherwise, I'll pick at it and then it's going to be worse. <laughs> yeah, and it makes you feel bad because you're like, yes. I can't solve it. And you're like, you're yes. not supposed to look at this till Friday. So you're not going to solve it. So you're going to waste the next three exactly. days worrying about it. Yeah, it takes it off your mind. Trello is another good. We, mm. Our team uses Trello, but I don't like online stuff. Like Asana and Trello are similar, but I'm not good at it. So for me, I have to have my paper, my handwriting. I'm pen to paper. I always have been. It takes a little time, but it it's very similar in nature. And mm -hmm. I think depending on how your brain works, both are great, great tools. So what goals are you working towards right now? Like what can people expect to see from you next? Yep. We've got uh, Living Beyond Burnout, which I mentioned. Uh, that book, we have a book and workbook that's coming out in two weeks. And so we're launching that. 
Um, financially, our, our speaking or my speaking is becoming kind of a, a thing. And so we've got some financial goals to be over six figures by fall in speaking engagement. That's awesome. Which has been fantastic because it creates, so for all my entrepreneurs who do speaking, creates referrals into your business. Yeah. Um, and then we are hopeful that we will be launching our corporate 28 day program next month. We have clients on the ready. So. We got to wow. deliver them something. So that's going to be exciting. That's incredible. Thanks. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. We're excited. So what final thought do you want to leave with our listeners and audience today? Something we didn't cover that you feel like yeah. we should have. I've talked, I do, my talks are even titled this, but it's so important, I think, and relevant that I, it's not cliche for me and sometimes hard, this, yeah. this thing I'm getting ready to say. But I talk a lot about that we have two choices every day to repeat or to evolve. You know, you might see that out, you know, in life. And I talk a lot about it. About it. But at the core of that isn't just like this idea, oh, I can repeat or evolve. It's choice. At the core of what I'm saying, it's that you get to choose what energy you bring into a room, that you can actually change a room based on your attitude and personality and how you move. I mean, I've talked about Flo. No one can see her. She's right here. She has great energy, always brings it, changes and shifts the mood in a room. You know, people like that you gravitate to. You know, if you're thinking about your business and you want to change it, you have a choice. It really starts here. You could have the best product in the world, but if you're an Eeyore, and just the <laughs> most awful person. You don't have a totally low say do ratio. You never get back to anybody. I don't want to work with you. Sorry. <laughs> I think your product is rock star. But I, if you're attached, I'm not interested, right? You know That's what I'm saying? So you know true. those people. You know oh, who I'm yes. talking about. Yes. Right? You're like, man, if they were only nicer. You know yes. what I mean? If they were only a little more fun. Yes. So I just, I just think we have to get a little bit, just loosen up. Like, don't take ourselves too seriously. Have a good tea. Have a good time. <laughs> have a good time with life and just get in there and, and explore all the possibilities. Sink into your curiosity. Find your people that can love up on you and tell you to keep going. I have a million of these things because that's the only way I can keep going is the people support me. I'm enjoying my trajectory. And frankly, I'm not doing a whole lot I don't want to do these days. I'm making choices about really just pouring myself into things I'm interested in. And that's a beautiful place to be. But it was a series of choices that got me there. Yes. I love that. That's inspiring for me to hear just on a personal level. So yes, I'm glad girl. you shared that. You're amazing. I love your story. And I love what you're doing for the community of women. So it's really honored. I'm so glad you invited me to be here and like get to meet your folks. And yes. Well, thank you for being here today. We've thank loved you, having you. And then we're going to open it up to the audience. So if anybody has anything that they would like to ask Jess, feel free. Hi, Jess. I'm Bridget. Hey, Bridget. I would love to hear your perspective on being really ambitious, setting really great goals for yourself, both professionally and personally, but in that recognizing that you're also putting unhealthy pressure on yourself. Tips for navigating that. Okay. What's the question? Because I feel like you're telling me that's what's happening yes, to you. Yes, that is, that is what is happening to me. <laughs> I'm also a coach. Yes. So I'm like, tell me the question again. Yes. What's the actual question? Yeah. Yes. Ways to reframe yeah. your mindset 
Yeah. Or to recognize that, you know, you get so much value. There's so many other things that you can do outside of how I'm growing in my career day to day or, you know, putting putting a time frame on like, I need to be at this next level by this date, recognizing the unhealthy yeah. aspect to that, but also realizing like, wow, you know, I, I really, a big part of my identity is my job. A big part of my identity yeah. is how I support my team. But to what degree am I deprioritizing my own well-being, both mentally and emotionally? Yeah. What are you – how old are you? I'm 28. Okay. That's okay that I ask. Yeah. Um, so Bridget's 28, and Bridget is feeling – you are feeling what a lot of young professionals feel because you're at the starting line of your career, and, they're feel, and you feel like time – you know, you've got to and, – and there's all this sort of like – noise around you about other successful, young, successful buying houses, investing in all these things, right? Uh, flipping stuff. I mean, like the Instagram is like, yes. Woo, how do you live up to all of the things? Okay. So first of all, girl, you got a long life to live. So that's just one thing I wanted to say. The fact that you can even acknowledge and use the language around unhealthy, right? That you know that some of this is not serving you is important. But my question is, like, so these are the things I think about, like, at what expense and at whose expense and what is being gained as a result? And I would write these things out. They can't run around in your head because you'll always find a reason to get up and do the things and do the things and do the things because the world is telling you that that is who you need to be and how you need to move. But while that's happening, something else is happening over here. People aren't getting your time you're not loving yourself. You're becoming depleted. A relationship is spiraling away from you. And that you're losing that while you think you're gaining these other things. And these are hard. This is not kind of a hard conversation to have because it can feel worth it in the moment. Or will I lose my value if I don't keep running hard? And I'm saying to you that this life, you only have one to live. And the people in your life and the memories and the relationships in your life should outlast your work. They should outlast the moment. And if they're not, and if those moments are taking precedent, you have to ask yourself why. And sit with it. Just sit with that question and then make some choices. Because you can have both things. You're not giving up. You don't have to give up success. You don't have to get, give up your big goals. You can achieve all those things and show the world that you can be the whole Bridget, the whole self. You can really live into that moment with your friends, family, and loved ones and you, and, and it would inspire the people around you. We don't see enough of that. Yeah. And that's why you're asking because you're not seeing enough of it. And you you may need to be that model or – Look to us. I don't know. Like, Joanna says, no, look at me. Um, <laughs> but, like, look, find people who are able to set the tones and the boundaries and design a life. Now, listen, I'm not perfect. Okay? Let's be clear. I'm not like, I have this so figured out. <laughs> it's work. But I'm worth it. I matter. I'm I'm 47 years old, yo. Like, times two, I'm pro I probably don't have as much time on the back end as I have on the front end. The, this stuff is real. And there will be a moment where you're like, God, I wish I would have had that time back. What was I thinking? What What did I gain again? Oh, I'm driving Mercedes. That's great. That now is now costing me more 
than it than it's worth, you know? Yeah. So those things, do a little audit, do a little self-audit, and it will clarity will come. Clarity will come for you. And you're in a great position, probably better than most because you've identified it. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Thank you friend. For your Thank you. Yep. We can clap <laughs> for Bridget because she's awesome. She asked that brave question. Yes. That was awesome. Shout out to Bridget for bringing me here today. Yes, girl. Um, Come my on, name Bridget. Is Janessa. I'll Janessa. tell you my age. I'm 29. In yes, case girl. that's helpful, I'll start with the question. Yes. Um, you mentioned having a lot of phases in your life, and I'm really curious. How do you know when you're starting one? And any mm. advice you have to start it properly, if that is even a thing? I'm recently divorcing. I'm dating like there's no tomorrow. Um, She's me in my 30s. My I'm so excited. Yes. I'm yes. at the top of my game work-wise, and I think I'm doing great, but I'm just like, hmm, where am I going? Yeah. Tell me your name. Janessa. Janessa. Like Janessa. Yep. You are me, girl. You are me. <laughs> this is my 30s. Yes. Okay. So I have this concept called crucible moments. So I'm going to introduce this to you, and it's going to help answer the question a little bit. It's going to frame it up a little bit. Um, crucible moments is something that you'll find in, in 28 days. It's, we devote an entire week to it. Second week of the program. All we do, we slow way down. Week one is fast, fast, fast. Da, 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 da. And then week two, it's like, we're in slow motion around crucible moments. And here's what a crucible moment is. It is, these are defining moments in your life that change the trajectory of who you are. And you are in one. This is why I'm saying it to you. They change the trajectory of your life. It's in crucibles in real life. If you know what they are, they're vessels that heat up metal, particularly gold. So back in the day, you'd put gold and it would be mixed up with like sediment and like gravel and, you know, like the old miners. They'd put it in there. But the crucible could be heated to a extent and have so much pressure that it would separate and melt those things down. And the impurities would rise to the top. And you'd scrape them off, and then you could let the gold come back to its solid form, and that's how it would be 24 karat, like pure gold, okay? So if you think about that and translate that idea to your moments, your life, we have those. Someone passes away. You've moved from the West Coast to the East Coast. You started a new job. You're getting a divorce, right? You're starting a new life phase. And so these moments are critical to pay attention to. Most of us can name them. If I were to go around the room, you'd be like, oh, yeah, girl, I got four or five. I got them on the top of my head, right? We know them. But we don't like to sit with them. So we try to, like, push through to get to the other side. I just want to get to the other side. And we don't learn anything in those moments. And those moments change can change your life. And the patterns that you've had. So here's what I'd ask you to do is identify some of those crucible moments and look at the patterns that you had that have repeated themselves over and over and over again. So it'd be like patterns like, who do I go to in those moments? Who, who's my confidant? Or do I go to no one and I handle all by myself, privately and in silence and isolated? If that's true, that's a pattern and you do it over time. Or it could be like, I always go to my mom. I always go to my sister. I always go to, so what are, what is that? What lessons did you learn along the way? And what lies did you tell yourself in those moments? And that's, those are big, those are big questions. So I've got lots of little questions for you. We can talk about it afterwards, but, or you can replay this. Um, but crucible moments will ask what happened? Why did it happen? What role did you play? 
Who did you go to in that moment, right? What lessons did you learn and what lies did you tell? And if we can unpack those moments in our lives, we will learn some things that will serve us in the next phase. So how do you know you're in one? You probably, you know it because you got up here and asked the question. We know it innately, don't we? This, what you're feeling today is different than probably what you're feeling two years ago because your things were different then, right? Now you're going through a transition. You're dating like J-Lo. You out there doing the thing, right? Right? You're getting divorced. You're entering a new chapter. You know you're entering a new chapter. We know when we're about to enter a new chapter. We know when we're disquieted at work. We know when we're unhappy with a thing. We know that we're not supposed to be in this role or there's something greater, bigger for us, right? We know when we're supposed to scale our business. We know, we know, we know. It's just a matter if we're honest with ourselves. Or do we pretend we don't hear it, see it? Because it's comfortable to keep rolling with what we know. Or do we actually step into that moment and say, okay, it's time. Let's go. Let's go big or go home, baby. And that's where you are. And I call this the comfort cliff. Does this make sense? You can almost just, I don't even need to explain it, do I? It's the comfort cliff. Where are you on that thing? Are you way in the back where it's safe? Are you on the growing edge where it's time to take the leap? And you're right. Seems like you're right there on, because you made some moves with your divorce. You're dating. So you move from safe zone to empowerment zone. Sounds like you're on the growing edge, sis. It's time to take the jump. She's great. Thank you so much to Jess Aberhart, who you can find at jessaberhart.com. That's J E S A V E R. H-A-R-T.com. From there, you can find her reinvention cohorts, listen to her podcast, hire her for coaching, or even grab her book all about her dating stories. And a few ways to follow the Women's Social Club. One, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Two, you can visit thewomensocialclub.co and find the community that's closest to you. If there's nothing close to you, please let us know. And third, follow us on social media where you'll find video clips of this podcast as well as the Women's Social Club's events throughout the country. We're at Women's Social Club on both Instagram and TikTok and at The Women's Social Club on Facebook. This podcast is edited and produced by Earfluence. I'm Hannah Weisberg, and on behalf of everyone at The Women's Social Club, We can't wait to welcome you into our sisterhood. We'll see you again soon with the next episode.